Hello, and welcome to the River of Life podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. I'd like for you to open your Bibles to 1 John, the second chapter, verse 12. We're in a a series of messages entitled, The Last Apostle, and we've kind of set up camp on one particular particular scripture that we've just entitled Reasons for Writing Spiritual Growth. I think this is the third message in that series. And so just open your Bibles. We'll start reading there in a moment. First John chapter 2 verse 12. And I'm, you know, I like Father's Day. Don't you, don't you guys like Father's Day? It's about time we get a little bit of attention, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, I like that. You know, now I like Mother's Day also, but I'm, I like Father's Day. And, and by the way, uh, who, whoever said it's the thought that counts, uh, I, don't, I don't agree with that. Let me share with you a quote I found just the other day. I want to pull this up, see if we've, we've got... Do we, yeah. I'm glad it's the thought that counts because I thought about going on a diet and working out before I ate the whole cake and took a nap. So it's really not the fault that counts, right? I'm I'm trying to help all the fathers out here today, you know. Don't think about us. Buy us a big gift. (laughs) It is a fun day, but I'll tell you, every day in the house of the Lord is a good day, isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, we talk about this. We talk about every Sunday is Easter Sunday in the church. The world, the outside world, celebrates Easter once a year, but we celebrate Easter every Sunday, don't we? It's all about our risen Savior and Lord. And if you'll think about it, every Sunday is Father's Day, isn't it? As James was singing, it's about our Heavenly Father, and we praise the Lord for that. I want to read the text, and then we'll pick up pretty much where we left off last week um, as we talk about spiritual growth. I'll begin in verse 12, 1 John uh, chapter 2, beginning in verse 12. I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Now, we'll continue reading, so just keep your Bibles open, and we'll continue reading. But first of all, I want to share with you that where we've come so far in this study is the realization that all five of those things that he talks about there are simply a description of what happens in a person's life when they come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. Their sins are forgiven for His namesake. 
They meet the one who is from the beginning, the Lord Jesus Christ. We uh, have overcome the wicked one. You understand that the moment you trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you become an overcomer? That he that's in you is greater than he that's in the world? And then the moment you get saved, the moment you trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Bible teaches us that we have spiritual strength. We have an anointing within us. We have the power of God within us. And we also have the Word of God. And those are the things that he talks about in those first two verses, or first three verses, 12, 13, and 14. But that's not spiritual growth. That's where spiritual growth begins. That's where it starts. We start out with our sins being forgiven. We start out meeting the eternal one. We start out becoming an overcomer in Christ. We start out with spiritual strength and the word of God abiding in us when he, Christ Jesus, comes into our hearts. But then what? Then it's time for spiritual growth. We pick up in verse 15. Do not love the world or the things that are in the world. If the people he had just described were fully mature, he would not say this. He's telling them, now that these things are true, do not love the world or the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. John is saying, because these things are true in your life, now it's time for you to grow up. Now it's time for you to understand that this world can no longer have your heart or your affection or your love. You can live in the world. You can even enjoy the world, the Scripture tells us in another passage of Scripture. But your heart cannot belong to the world. One of the first steps of spiritual growth is when you understand that I've been bought with a price. I've been washed in the blood. I've become a new creature in Christ with old things passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I'm a new creature for a new purpose, for a new life. And now I have to take that first step of spiritual growth that says this world can no longer have my heart. My heart belongs to him. My heart belongs to my Lord and my God. Paul said almost the same thing to the Colossian church when he said, set your affection on things above, not on things on this earth. And so so he's talking to them about spiritual growth. Well, we just kind of did a pause in our study of 1 John and decided to just kind of look throughout the Bible and try to find out what spiritual growth looks like. What does it look like in the life of an individual? And I found 10 passages, scriptures, 10 statements that pretty much describes what spiritual growth looks like. Now, I don't think this is all inclusive, but it's pretty basic. And this is what it looks like. Spiritual growth looks like this in the life of an individual, someone who's following after righteousness. It looks like someone who's being transformed by the renewing of their mind. Someone who's being cleansed from all filthiness of the flesh. They are taking seriously the importance of cleansing ourselves. And one of the things I've pointed out to you is each one of these or things that you have to do and I have to do. Someone who is being perfected 
by fear of God into a holy lifestyle, someone who's pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, someone who's being rooted and built up and established in the faith, someone who is building him or herself up through praying in the Spirit, someone who is keeping himself or herself in the love of God, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now, we looked at just one of these last week. We looked at that last one, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now, what we talked about last week was this, and that is letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly means a lot more than just reading the Bible or studying the Bible or or memorizing the Bible or preaching it or teaching it. To let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly means that you saturate your heart and your life in the Word of God, that you feed on the Word of God, and the Word of God, the Word of Christ, begins to direct you. It directs your steps. It keeps you. It protects you. It corrects you. The Word of God becomes the full and final authority in your life. You become a Word of God Christian. Thank God for the pastors in this land. I love preaching. Thank God for the teachers. I love to sit under a great teacher. Thank God for the great spiritual leaders that we have throughout the nation. But friends, when it comes right down to it, the Bible says, let every man be a liar and let God's word be true. That's what it says. And I got to tell you, the moment I or anybody else disagrees or tries to drift away from the teachings of the word of God, the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. Oh, it's the word of God. We need to become word of God people. Now, with that in mind, last week I gave you an assignment. You thought I forgot, didn't you? I gave you an assignment. I gave you a challenge. I asked you for one week to try to do six things. I want to pull those six things up and I want us to look at it. For one week, say, I will not get angry with anyone. For, <laughs> y'all are still laughing when I say that. For one week, I will not raise my voice to anyone. For one week, I will not be offended by anyone. For one week, I will not be drawn into a fight with anyone. And we got two more. For one week, I will not be secretly upset with anyone. For one week, I will not take issue with what others say unless it is a biblical issue and the Lord is leading me to take a stand. Even then, I will not be argumentative. How did you do? Should we give an altar call right now? I've never heard so many comments about a message. It, it, it was unbelievable, all the comments I received. L- listen, these are direct quotes. Somebody said to me, here's the first one. You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> really? Is that, I mean, is that what, do you think I can do that? How about this one? Somebody told me, I'm serious. I make this up. Somebody said to me about midweek, they said, you have ruined my week. I mean, it's bad enough that you preach it on Sunday, but then I've had to carry this with me all week. You've ruined my week. This was the one that really made me laugh. Somebody said this, are you sure these things are biblical? (laughs) 
Really, that, that can't be biblical. <laughs> well, I, oh, wait, let me go on. You're going to love this one. Since I live all by myself, I might be able to do this. And, and, and the next one, I heard over and over and over again. I can't do that. I have children. <laughs> you expect me not to get angry, not to raise my voice, not to slap somebody around. I mean, come on. I have children. I actually like this one. We'll talk about this one a little bit, this next one. I failed, but I started all over again. Come on. Come on. So, so I, I ask you, and I tell you, what, let's just do a show of hands. <laughs> How many of you failed at least one of these six this past week? You failed. All right? Now, I'm not raising my hand as an example. I'm raising my hand because I made the list and I failed. <laughs> but here's the most important question, much more important than the first question. Even though you failed, how many of you got up and started all over again? You didn't just give up. Even though you failed, you kept trying. You see, friends, spiritual growth in the Christian life is not about perfection. It's about never giving up. It's about staying in the fight. It's about always trying to be obedient. It's about understanding that you and I have a personal responsibility to let the Word of Christ dwell in us richly and to let that Word lead us and guide us and correct us and keep us in the center of God's will. It is to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. That's what the Scripture says. I need you to understand this. This is very important. Spiritual growth and Christian maturity does not mean that you are sinless, but it does mean that you sin less and less and less. It means you're improving. It means you're growing. It means there is a decreasing frequency of sin in your life. It means that more and more you are conforming to the image of Christ. Spiritual growth does not mean you are where you need to be. It means you are not where you used to be and that you got the Word of God in hand. You're following the leadership of the Holy Spirit and you're going in the right direction. Now, I gave you those six things this past week. And I'm so glad that many of you wrote them down and we at least made an effort. But can I tell you something? It would be far better. And I, I, I challenge you to do this. This is my challenge for you this week. Forget about my list. Take your Bible in hand and get on your knees and say, Holy Spirit, I'd like a personalized list. Give me one or two or three things that I need to work on in my life and write them down and let the Holy Spirit make the list for you. Because you see, you may need to work on something that somebody over here does not need to work on. 
We don't all need the same list. And by the way, when the Holy Spirit gives you that list, and I suggest not a long list, make it realistic, take two or three things, and the Holy Spirit gives you that, and you start working on those, and every time you fail, repent and get up and keep working on it, and you'll begin to see a decreasing frequency of whatever it is in your life, and you'll begin to grow in grace. And, and it will be an awesome experience. We have to take spiritual growth seriously. Now, for this morning, I want us to look at one more that's on our list of 10, and that's from Jude 21, keep yourself in the love of God. Here's what Jude 21 says. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Now that's a real simple verse, isn't it? Keep yourself in the love of God. Can you imagine what would happen in this church, or for that matter, any church, if every member of this church took that simple little verse seriously and said, you know what? I'm going to make an all-out genuine effort to keep myself in the love of God. Uh, there was a song a long time ago, Love, Sweet Love, That's What the World Needs Now. You remember that? Some of you old folks do. Uh, I got to tell you, that's still what the world needs. The Bible says that God is love and that love is God. We, we need to keep ourselves in the love of God, and that's something we have to work at. That's something that we have to keep before us. And we're kind of building a list now. If I want to grow spiritually, it is impossible for me to do that apart from the Word of God. I have to let the Word of God dwell in me richly. But there's another responsibility I have because sometimes people, and I'm not exaggerating, sometimes people pick up the Bible, get serious about the Bible, and they start studying the Bible and they get legalistic and they get mean as the devil. And they start criticizing everybody on the planet. And they become holier than thou. And they look down their self-righteous noses. And they become mean and hateful. And, and, and I want to tell you that that's exactly what the enemy would want you to do. But God wants you to take up the Word of God. He wants you to let it dwell in you richly. But at the same time, He wants you to keep yourself in the love of God. Amen. Keep yourself in that sweet, wonderful, gracious, merciful, forgiving love of God. You don't have to compromise one standard to be a loving human being. Keep yourself in the love of God. And why is that so important? Because i got to tell you, friends, the devil, the enemy, wants to keep your heart full of anything and everything but the love of God. Really. He wants to keep your heart full of anything. He doesn't care what it is. If he can, he'll fill your heart with hatred. He'll fill your heart with jealousy. He'll fill your heart with bitterness. He, he will fill your heart with resentment. He'll fill your heart with lust. He'll fill your heart with hatred. He'll fill your heart with racism. He'll fill your heart with any negative, sorry thing that he can get into your heart. If you're not 
guarding your heart and keeping your heart in the love of God, He'll begin to put all kind of bad, ugly, negative stuff in your heart. But if you can't do that, guess what He'll do? He'll fill your heart with some other stuff that's not necessarily bad, like fishing. I shouldn't say that on Father's Day, should I? Like fishing or hunting or playing golf. I've heard more moaning and groaning since I've started preaching on spiritual growth. You know, like how about sewing? Let's get off the men. How about sewing? Or shopping? Or gardening? How about art? How about music? How about money? And the list could go on and on. The devil does not care what your heart is full of as long as it is full of something other than the love of God. And see, the problem is this. That if the devil can get your heart full of something other than the love of God, and if you are in a church and no pastor or no teacher teaches you that you have the responsibility to keep yourself in the love of God, and you don't guard your heart, and you don't understand your personal responsibility, then the devil has free access to your heart. And if he can keep your heart full of something other than the love of God, then guess what? You will end up miserable. Because I've got news for you. If you haven't figured this out yet, you need to. There is nothing in this world that will satisfy you. There's nothing in this world that will make you happy. Oh, we think so, and we get, sometimes we get what we want, and for a little while we're happy, but then that soon passes. Nothing in this world make, will make you happy apart from the love of God. And by the way, the love of God is not of this world. It's out of this world. The agape, supernatural love of God poured out in your heart is one of the most amazing things. And it will satisfy your heart. And I can tell you that if you're letting the enemy fill your heart with something other than the love of God and you're not keeping yourself in the love of God, you will end up miserable, dissatisfied, cantankerous, bitter, cold, You will. And then you'll take it out on other people and you'll fuss and complain and you'll give everybody around you a hard time. I found this. I I have to tell you, I laughed right out loud when I read this. So let me read it to you. I have this weird self-esteem issue where I hate myself, yet I still think I'm better than everyone else. Ain't it the truth? Yeah. I know people like that, and you do too, or you wouldn't have laughed. I know people who are perfectly miserable. And they're always complaining about what everybody else says and does. They're unhappy every day. They wake up unhappy, and they get worse as the day goes on. They're bitter. They're angry. They're full of resentment, and, and, and they're just unhappy and miserable. 
By the way, does it make sense to you? I was thinking about miserable people should never complain about other people. Isn't there something wrong with that? If your life is miserable, if you've messed your life up, why should you complain about the way somebody else is living their life? That doesn't make a drop of sense. But I can tell you, friends, a lot of the world is like that. The world is filled with people who do not like themselves. They're unhappy and they're miserable and they're whining and complaining and fussing about everything. But I stand before you this morning to tell you right out of God's Word that when you start taking seriously the responsibility of spiritual growth, God will take you down another road. He will take you down an amazing road of love. And you, as you begin to keep yourself in the love of God, as you begin to love God, as you begin to love the things of God, as you begin to love the people of God and the Word of God and the family of God, and as you truly begin to love with that agape love and you guard your heart, you keep your heart in that love, then this world can't make you miserable anymore. You want me to tell you what spiritual growth is? Spiritual growth is when you begin to keep yourself in the love of God and this world can't take it away from you. The Gaithers used to sing a song, the world didn't give it to me and the world can't take it away from me. Listen, I want to tell you, if this world can take your joy away from you, you got it from the world. But what you get from God, the world can't take away from you. See, that's the real joy. That's the real victory. And I'll also tell you something else, and that is that when you start keeping yourself in the love of God, guess what? You can start loving and enjoying, and I don't mean loving like we love God now, but you can start enjoying a less than perfect world because you have the perfect love of God abiding in your heart. You can. And how about this one? Some of you really need this one. When you start growing in grace and you, you start keeping your heart in the love of God, you can start really and truly, genuinely loving less than perfect people because you have the perfect love of God in your heart. Doesn't it make sense? By the way, have, have you not learned there are no perfect people? I'm not talking about your spouse. I'm talking about you. (laughs) There are no perfect people. We're all flawed. We all have feet of clay. We all have weaknesses. We all make mistakes. But when we know that which is perfect, when it abides within us, when we have the perfect love of God abiding in our hearts, We can love less than perfect people. We can enjoy being around less than perfect people. It's okay because He's in us. Listen, you can really, 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 I want to emphasize this, you can really, really, really love and enjoy a less than perfect church because the perfect love of God abides in your heart. By the way, friends, there is no perfect church. I heard somebody say one time, if you ever find a perfect church, don't join it. Because it will cease to be perfect the moment you join it. 
There is no perfect church. We're not a perfect church. But I want to tell you, we deal in a perfect product. And that is the love of God, our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Hero, our Redeemer. Oh, friends, friends, you see, when the love of God is in you, then it changes you. And the world starts looking different. I heard somebody say it a long time ago that when you look at somebody and you can't love that person, most people ask the wrong question. They say, Lord, why can't I love that person? Why do they irritate me so? Why do they get on my nerves so much? Why? I heard somebody say a long time ago, we're asking the wrong question. Here's a question you should be asking. Lord, why am I so far away from you right now that I can't love that person? Because I know you love them. And so it's about us. But we don't want to take that responsibility most of the time, do we? But I'm telling you, we need to keep ourselves in the love of God. You and I have a responsibility to keep ourselves in the love of God. We have a responsibility to keep our hearts in a particular state. And that state is the love of God. And, and that's what the Bible teaches. That's our responsibility. Let me give you an Old Testament passage that says the same thing. This is Proverbs four twenty-three through 27. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead. Fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. I I like this passage because it begins with the heart and ends with the feet. And the fact is your feet will not take you any place your heart will not allow you to go. Your heart is in charge. It determines the course of your life. If you want to grow spiritually then you must become responsible for your own heart. God will save your soul. He will save your heart. He will forgive your sins for His name's sake. He will introduce Himself to you through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will make you an overcomer over the wicked one. He'll fill you with spiritual strength. He will put His Word inside of you. But the bottom line is, you have to guard and keep your own heart. You see, friends, your heart is is special. Your heart is precious. And according to the Bible, you should guard your heart at all times. You should keep your heart safe away from the enemy at all times. You you should keep your heart full of the love of God at all times. Tonight, my wife will remind me, as she does every Sunday night, to roll our waste management garbage can out to the street because Monday morning is our pickup day. I couldn't forget that. It would be impossible for me to forget that because she reminds me. Ladies, you do that for us, don't you? You always keep us reminded. So I will roll that garbage can out to the street and I will put it right there. And guess what I will do? 
I will turn around and walk away from it and I will leave it. I will not stand there and guard it all night long. I will not do that. Do you know why I will not guard that trash can all night long? Because it's a trash can. And it's full of what? Trash and garbage. There's nothing valuable in it. There's nothing worth protecting. It's just garbage. Friends, why is it that too many people today treat their own hearts like garbage cans? Why do we do that? You see, the Bible teaches that your heart is precious. It's worth guarding. It's worth protecting. It's valuable. It will determine the course of your life. It will determine your eternity. And yet most people treat their hearts just like they do their garbage can. Why do we do that? If many people were honest, they'd have to say something like this. If they were honest, my heart is just a big old garbage can with the lid off. It's wide open. You want to talk filthy? You want to talk trash? You want to use vulgarity? Just fill my heart up with your vulgarity. It's okay. It's okay. Just talk your trash. Oh, you want to tell dirty jokes? I love dirty jokes. I love off-color jokes. I love jokes that are immoral. Just fill my heart up with those dirty jokes. Oh, pornography? Oh, yeah. Bring it all. Fill my heart up with pornography. Racism and hatred? Oh, I'll buy into it. Just fill my heart up with that filth. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And if you want to put some garbage on Facebook, I'll make a point every day to download it right into my heart. Because my heart's just a big old trash can. It's just a big old can full of garbage. That's what my heart is. Oh, yeah, and those TV programs and those movies that blaspheme God and take his name in vain and use all kinds of vulgarity and and make fun of everything that's holy and righteous and good and pure according to the word of God. Oh, yeah, don't ever cut one of those off. Just keep filling my heart up with that old filthy garbage. In fact, I'm just the kind of person that I will never draw a line and say no more. All the garbage you want to dump in my heart, just come on and dump it right in my very heart. But don't worry about me. Don't worry about me. Because Sunday, I'm going to go to church. I might even go to Bible study right before church. And so don't worry about my heart because I'm going to mix a little of God in my heart. Really? Now, I know what some, some of you are almost disgusted right now. Some of you are, you know, you feel like you're sick on your stomach. But friends, people do that every week of their lives. They spend all week filling up with garbage and then they go to church and say, I'm going to mix a little bit of God in with the garbage. Really? You think that'll work? Is there anybody here who thinks that'll work? I want to ask you a question, friends. I mean this with all my heart. Isn't it time that Christians make a statement like this to the world? Yes, you can throw your trash in my trash can, but you cannot throw your trash in my heart. I draw the line. No more. No more filth. I will not. 
Let my heart be an open receptacle to the garbage and the trash of this world. Now, friends, you may think I'm up here ranting and raving, but I'm telling you, I'm talking about something that is a required. You cannot bypass this and grow spiritually. You've got to get in the Word of God. You've got to let it dwell in you richly. And you've got to keep your heart in the love of God. And that means that your heart cannot belong to the world. You've got to set some standards. I heard somebody say, if we won't stand for something, we'll fall for anything. And most of the people in America are falling for anything and everything. You know, the wonderful thing, I just want to close with this because this is good news. The wonderful thing is the moment a person realizes this thing about the heart and really gets sincere about it and really begins to regret what they've allowed in their heart, this is amazing. Years of garbage, years of trash. Once a person does that and they begin to feel bad about it and they begin to get under conviction and they're willing to repent, listen to this. It's amazing. You talk about amazing grace. The Lord will forgive you and cleanse your heart and he will fill your heart with the love of God. That's an amazing thing. Oh, child of God. Child of God, are you really growing in grace? Are you really letting the word of God abide in you? Are you really guarding your heart? Let's pray. Thank you again for listening to River of Life Podcast. If this message has touched you today, or if you need somebody to pray with you, please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email at info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for more information and directions. Thank you.